What's Ailing Independent Pharmacies? I'm Tom Shine, and welcome to The Range. Support for The Range comes from McCowan Gordon Construction, Fidelity Bank, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Coming up, a Wichita State professor transforms from teacher to performer. The Lacrimosa by Dean Rausch is actually a piece which I first played during my undergrad. But first, nationwide, the number of independent pharmacies has remained relatively steady since the year 2000. In Kansas, though, some local pharmacy owners are closing their doors, and others say they're fighting to stay open. Celia Hack has more. Behind the register at Dam Pharmacy in Derby, Cat Wash is cutting pills in half for a patient. We usually just try to make sure it's as even as possible so that way they're getting equal dosages each time they take it. Jonathan Hansen is the pharmacy's operations manager. He says top-tier customer service is a central tenet of the locally owned business. It's a lot more um, patient-centered, patient-focused, I would say. Part of that is really making an effort to memorize faces and names. You know, when our patients come in, a lot of the times we have their meds pulled without having to ask them who they are. Dam Pharmacies is owned by Darren Price, who lives in Winfield. He owns seven pharmacies in Sedgwick, Butler, and Cowley Counties. Price says independent pharmacies like his focus on what's best for customers instead of stockholders. But he says the business increasingly struggles to turn a profit, and he names low reimbursement rates as the culprit. Price's pharmacies typically buy medication in bulk to then sell to customers, who usually use their insurance to pay for the drug. But Price says often his business isn't fully reimbursed for the cost of the drug by pharmacy benefit managers. These companies help manage prescription drug benefits on behalf of health insurers. The reimbursement for most medications is very unfair at this point. So 90% of the time we're underpaid on prescriptions. Tessa Schnelli is the president of the Kansas Pharmacists Association's board. She's also researching pharmacy closures throughout Kansas for a graduate thesis. Schnelli says there's been an uptick in pharmacy closures in Kansas in recent years. And she says insufficient reimbursement rates are the number one reason stores are closing. National statistics show that rural pharmacies are particularly at risk. The number of independently owned pharmacies in rural areas in the U.S. declined from 2003 to 2021. That's contributed to counties across the state where residents have to drive 15 minutes or more to access a drugstore. Here's Schnelli. What happens when I can't drive to go get my medications? Now I'm not taking my medications. Lynn Schaefer had to close his independent rural pharmacy about 40 minutes south of Wichita last fall. Schaefer named similar frustrations with reimbursement rates as the reason he couldn't keep Wellington Health Mart open. In 2022, he and the other top pharmacist at the store had to stop taking a salary. There was no not enough profit to do that. We were barely getting by, and we weren't even taking a salary out of the store. To survive, Price at Dam Pharmacies says his stores have had to expand their services. No longer do his pharmacies just fill prescriptions. Now they also sell medical equipment, give vaccines, and compound drugs, which is where the store makes individualized medications. Pharmacies should be able to be in business by just dispensing medication. But if you're if you're a pharmacy and that's all you do today, you, you won't stay in business, which is which is a sad state of affairs. For the range, I'm Celia Hack. Faculty recitals are a place where artists can flex a little more creative muscle than their teaching duties often allow. Tim Jones will have that opportunity when he performs tonight. 
He's an assistant violin professor at Wichita State. For this month's artworks, Jones talked with Torn Anderson about his recital and gave him a sneak preview. So Dean Rausch is highly celebrated uh, in his field and also in Wichita. He is retiring this year. So I'm just very excited and honored to be putting a work of his on the program. Uh, the Lacrimosa by Dean Rausch is actually a piece which I first played during my undergrad. Then the rest of the first half of the program is a Bach sonata and an Isai sonata. So these two composers, though essentially 200 years apart, really have a lot to do with each other. They have a close relationship. Uh, Bach wrote six sonatas for solo violin, actually three partitas and three sonatas, but bound together in a book that we all cherish. Moving on then to Isai, Isai also wrote six sonatas for solo violin. Not a coincidence at all. Um, Isai was a Belgian composer in the 20th century, and he, rumor has it, heard Bach's sonatas performed and went home in a fury to compose the first draft of his own six solo violin sonatas. The thing to consider is that in 200 years, the capacity of the violin, well, the capacity of the instrument itself had not actually changed, but the technical capacity of the performers between the 18th and 20th century had grown immensely. So much like if you see videos, for example, of early Olympic games, and compare them to videos of the last 10, 20 years, you see that although the human body has really not changed that much, what we have pushed the body to be able to do uh, is really incredible. And then the Beethoven is, you know, really, not single-handedly, but retrospectively, we look at him as one of the pivotal composers who moved us from the classical to the romantic period. He wasn't just born in one and died in the other. He made the change. He created that transition through his compositions. So knowing that this is his last violin sonata, you might be expecting something rather uh, avant-garde or out there. At first glance or at first listen, it's actually pretty straightforward. It's not a piece that's hard to listen to or confusing. However... If you, again, if you are one of those people who knows a little bit about music history and music theory, you'll be in for a lot of surprises. In this case, I have performed the Bach and the Isai before. The Dean Rausch piece, I, again, played during my undergrad, but at that point was still a little baby. Uh, I can hardly really say that I performed it. And then the Beethoven is Newton. Horn Anderson explores the local art scene every first Friday on Artworks. Tim Jones will perform this evening in Wiedemann Hall. And one last thing. Like everyone else in Wichita, I'm angry that the Jackie Robinson statue in McAdams Park was stolen and then destroyed. Why would someone do that to League 42? an organization that is such a positive beacon for our city? Or to the hundreds of children who play baseball there every night during the spring and summer? At some point, I stopped thinking about the knuckleheads who did this. Instead, I thought of the things they couldn't steal, like league founder Bob Lutz's hard for baseball and kids. 
the enthusiastic work of all the volunteers who make the league go, and the smiles of the players. Yes, League 42 got knocked down, but it'll get up, dust itself off, and continue the work that makes our community better. Thanks for joining us on The Range. Our producers for this week's show are Carly Cooper, Jonathan Huber, Beth Golay, and Lou Ann Stevens. Our digital producer is Hugo Fan, and Torn Anderson composed our theme music. The executive producer of The Range is Fletcher Powell. I'm Tom Shine, and this is KMUW, NPR for Wichita. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.